a mystery NBA insider account resurfaces on Tuesday and has some DeAndre Ayton information on today's episode. What the heck is happening? And a closer look at DeAndre Ayton's actual basketball season. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Wednesday, halfway through the week, more than halfway through our season preview series, 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. We'll spend the last two segments of today's show picking up where we left off there. All things DeAndre Ayton today, starting with these wacky rumors. But if you're finding us for the first time, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe. We're free and available everywhere. All you got to do is hit that button to get Daily Suns content in your feed. Become an everydayer and get locked onto the Phoenix Suns Monday through Friday from now through the rest of time. Literally, that's at least what I'm going to go with for right now. Dropping Dimes 20. You might have heard of this account, right? They have been quietly um, insidering all year, all offseason. They reactivate, tweet, and then deactivate, and then screenshots of their posts just flood the internet. We don't know who this person is. You can dig around on Reddit and other places, and there are some rumors about who this might be, but uh, it's... An account that has gotten things right and seems to have some level of linkage to the NBA just by way of um, what they've said around Damian Lillard and even dating back to the trade deadline. Um, I'm not going to treat this as gospel, but it's worth walking through the thought experiment for a few minutes to open today's show. Nevertheless, today's show, speaking of it, uh, is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case from Jace Medical, which provides you with the personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. More from them later on. Let's go, though. Um, Okay, so let me show you the tweets, all right? If you're on YouTube, you you should be. Uh, Go to the... Locked on Suns YouTube account if you've not already. Um, he, it's on the screen now. He, they, I'm not going to say he, whatever. The amateur NBA analyst, again, at Dropping Dimes 20, quote tweeted himself from about three weeks ago saying that Zach Levine will be moved eventually. A couple of key guys don't want him around. Portland is a potential landing spot. Then today, the quote tweet, uh, sorry, on Monday afternoon, the quote tweet was, Aiton is the domino effect. All right. Now, not insane. Portland, as, as a team, has always sort of made sense as a, as a DeAndre Ayton landing spot, even when Lillard was still there. You know, dating back to last summer with the sign-and-trade and restricted free agency possibilities, they have now even e- an even younger team, a big man that's not Yusuf Nurkic, who's a little more athletic, can run up and down the court with those guys, anchor the defense, give a little bit of structure to Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, and, of course, Anthony Simons makes a little bit of sense. So, okay, sure. 
Then the next tweet uh, on Tuesday around Tuesday morning um, says, it's Aiton for Nurk. The mystery team for Dame is Toronto. Dame is locked in with Miami. And then they responded to themselves and said, it's a potential three or four team trade. All right. So again, without treating this as gospel, without making it seem like this is for sure happening or anything else, we are seeing more movement on the Damian Lillard trade talks. We know that there would need to be a third team for Tyler Hero, definitely, and Yusuf Nurkic, maybe, right? Those are the big contracts on each of the two sides, Portland and Miami, that the other team doesn't want. Miami doesn't want Yusuf Nurkic's salary because they have Bam Adebayo and they have Thomas Bryant and they have other bigs. Tyler Hero has never made sense for the Blazers because they have a lot of young guards already. And part of why they're maybe moving on from Lillard is to give those guys more time. It would not make sense to bring on a Tyler Hero type necessarily. The other part of this is there's a lot of big contracts around the NBA that that teams, good teams, want off of. Good middling to good teams. Let's not call them all great, right? But that includes Hero. But that also includes Zach Levine, who, again, was mentioned initially that kind of started this whole rumor mill. But also DeAndre Ayton, you know, $33 million this year on a team that has openly shopped him. That's just the facts here, guys. I'm going to do a whole rest of this show talking about the optimism that I have about Ayton's ability to anchor a strong defense this year. All right? I'm not, not BSing you. I'm not trying to sit here and say this should happen, will happen, anything. I've repeated that multiple times now, but Ayton is on that list, as is Julius Randle. And a lot of these can only be traded for one another because their value is so depleted because of how much money they make and because of their inconsistency or their one-way play or their injuries or whatever the case is. There's a lot of these contracts around the league and you see them be moved for one another a lot, right? John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul once upon a time. That triangle of, of trade assets got moved around for one another a lot of times. You could put Gordon Hayward on this list. You could put... I'm sure there's already somebody in your head that I'm not thinking of. So what the heck is going on here, right? I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Nurkic makes no sense in Phoenix in a vacuum, right? He's not good enough anymore to be a major contributor on a championship team, especially on the defensive end of the floor. He's suffered with a lot of injuries at this point in his career, missed a lot of time, is in his 30s, and was never a great defender. That's part of why Portland wasn't able to get over the hump themselves. Doesn't make sense on this team in a vacuum. The Suns would most likely have to get another salary back to make the trade work financially, unless they were sending Aiton to a team with gobs of cap space, which none of the teams we're talking about right now have. You're talking about, you know, like Orlando, San Antonio. There's just not... Detroit, I think, still has a little bit of... It, that, none of these seem realistic for Hero or for Aiton to go to. So in that case, the Suns need to get a salary back in addition to Nurkic, even if they did take on Nurkic as part of this, right? And they could just, I, I, he has two years left, so buying him out doesn't really make a lot of sense either. Um, it, it's hard to see what this would look like. They can't possibly roll into a season, regardless though, with Nurkic or Eubanks as their starting center, right? While they're trying to win a championship. And so... In this particular construction, if I'm looking at what Miami could send out, what Portland could send out, or what any of the fourth teams we've seen, or even if you want to include um, Toronto on that uh, list, because this account 
named the Raptors as the mystery Dame team that, that guys like uh, Mark Spears have reported recently. Even if you look at Toronto's roster, I don't see anybody on Portland, Toronto, or Miami, or even Brooklyn, or if you want to get even more creative with potential hero landing spots or even Dame landing spots, none of those teams have an extra center lying around that they would send to the Suns. And like it or not, the Suns are in a position where Aiton may not be the ideal fit from a salary standpoint for what they're trying to do. I mean, it it is part of why they're in this second apron situation, which I broke down yesterday on the preview show, which you should check out. And, you know, there's obviously questions about what level he'll be at this year. Again, I will break down momentarily why I am relatively optimistic on the defensive end that he will be at a pretty high level this year, but we know he's been shopped. Even with that said, whether you like it or not, as I just noted a second ago, the Suns need some level of high floor on at the center position that Yusuf Nurkic doesn't provide and that a lot of guys don't provide, right? The Raptors, they have Kem Birch, they have Chris Boucher, no and no, right? The Blazers, besides Nurkic, I actually don't even know who their backup center is. I guess it's probably a smaller guy uh, again this year. The Miami Heat, like, I, I don't even know what that would look like. They don't have anybody that's not Bam Adebayo that would make much of any sense to come here. Brooklyn, uh, they have Nick Claxton. Who else? You know, uh, Sharp, Dayron Sharp? No, right? So the this is not... Um, a package. This is not a scenario that would get the Suns what they need, which is why I'm inclined to think that it's not going to happen. I guess if you look at Chicago, that's probably the last team I haven't said because Zach Levine, again, was the beginning of all of this. Nikola Vucevic makes less money. Is Do you need another guy who needs shots to be effective? Who doesn't, who, who's even more of a question mark, you know, than, than Aiton by far on the defensive end of the floor? Do you want Andre Drummond? Okay, like maybe that's a little bit closer, but what's the trade then? right? Because the Suns aren't taking Levine and and Andre Drummond makes like $4 million. None of these things make sense. It only makes sense to me if there's some incarnation of this thing where the Suns get a good draft pick and depth in return. Because if they are taking on new Yusuf Nurkic, um, you would expect that they would probably want another big man option there. Maybe they do roll with, with Eubanks. Like this is a huge risk. And again, maybe even that draft pick is not enough. I tend to think that this is not real, but because I don't think a lot of these rumors that circulate on the internet actually get considered enough by mainstream, I don't even know if I count as that, outlets, I do think it's worth talking about. It's not just to be clickbaity because this account has been on a roll this summer and we know the Suns are continuing, we know the Suns shopped Aiton extensively this summer and, and we know that they are likely to continue to do so even if it's not public, even if it's not aggressive. Again, all that said, I do have a decent level of optimism about Aiton and his defensive impact in 2023-24 for these Phoenix Suns, and I will break down why after a break. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season. With FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed, when you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So you literally just place your bet and you get those bonus dollars, 200 of them, right into your account. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action 
van right now. We have WNBA games on Wednesday night when you are listening to this. The game, deciding game three between Minnesota and Connecticut. The Sun are four and a half point favorites on the road to close out that series and move on to the semifinals. So if you're looking for some basketball to watch, to bet on, in addition to the NFL where you can bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to do all of that. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Real basketball. Not dropping dimes 20. Not rumor mill. DeAndre Ayton's defense. Okay. So I went back and watched through some uh, some of those like full highlight videos that are like 10 minutes long that basically show every basket for a certain matchup between two players or one player's every counting stat that they uh, tallied up over the course of a game. You know them. You've seen them on YouTube. And I did that for game one of the Lakers series in 2021, which there's a video that's like every possession where Ayton guarded Anthony Davis or AD guarded DeAndre Ayton. I did the same for games three and game game three and game four against the Clippers also in 2021 in the conference finals. You know, there was also the Denver series when I think Aiton did a good job, but his his role was a little bit different then and guarding Jokic is such a unique beast and we know how they guarded Jokic was one uh, pretty again specialized because of what Jokic is, but also specialized because of what that Nuggets roster was. And I would say you could probably throw a lot of of that in the trash, as I've said before, because look, they kind of tried to guard uh, Jokic that way again with Aiton this year in the playoffs, and Jokic torched that. So not fully relevant anymore. And when I looked at the, the, the footage that I did, what worked, what jumped out to me, what felt like a little bit of a revelation, refreshing to see Aiton execute, was a few things. Specific role, right? Knowing help was behind him, being able to get comfortable and master the timing of what his job was. The number one thing that Aiton had to do and uh, that he had to do under Monty Williams, let's say, was, uh, you know, he's going to be in drop coverage in the, in the uh, defending the pick and roll. And that meant that he needed to basically guard the ball handler and the rolling big man, the driving ball handler and the rolling big man at the same time, effectively, right? He had to keep tabs, get in the way of the driver, be be a threat, be a, a deterrent against that drive while also staying connected and having an idea of where the roller was so that if that pass came, he could then flip keep a hand up, contest, body, that big man before they shot the ball. And that's a lot about, again, timing and an awareness of not only those two players that you're trying to defend at one time, but also where the help is, right? At the same time, I th- and he was doing that. That's the point I'm making, right? Like that was, he, he was succeeding at that in a way that I don't think he always has. He also was staying connected and being physical in a way, <clears throat> especially when he kind of ended up being in a late switch situation on a ball handler. You know, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, um, LeBron James, right, in that Lakers series, where he is is bodying those guys up in a way that's you're not going to, especially when you're trying not to foul, and you know that 
allowing a, a dump off pass to the big man where now is be, who's now being guarded by somebody like Mikaela or Jay Crowder is probably a lose-lose situation. So it's almost like you've given in at that point to knowing the guy that I'm guarding now who's driving is probably going to shoot the ball. And I kind of want them to maybe shoot the ball, but as long as I can make it hard, a sort of running bank shot or a floater or a leaner or a contested layup, those are better outcomes than like a dunk if that big man does get the ball. And what he was able to do was execute that again, right? Like he made those guys feel him in a way that was a, a deterrent. The other part, he was intentional and forceful with his agility, that kind of might fa- sound like an oxymoron that he's playing power and finesse at the same time. But at the end of the day, that that is effectively what was happening. And when I say forceful and intentional, I don't mean he's barreling into guys and fouling and shoving people to the ground like he's, you know, out there to use his six fouls and, and hit the bench. No, of course not. He, he was the starting center for a good defensive team. But when I say intentional and forceful, I mean, I guess, purposeful is probably a better word that combines those two things. It is a ballet. It is a dance to do that. It's an art to defend two guys at once in the pick and roll the way that he did, right? And I think, like, Dwight Howard and Rudy Gobert, by for my money, are the two best I've ever seen do it. You know, not the most um, scorching take there. Those guys both won multiple Defensive Player of the Year awards. But just to give you an idea of what I mean when I'm describing that, the length, the mobility, and the purposefulness to really muck up a pick and roll by yourself. And Aiton reached that at times. And I think, too, when we talk about focus, I don't, like, there is, you know, effort and and intensity and certain things like that that do come and go with Aiton. But I think focusing is also preparing yourself for the physical motion that you know you need to do right like there is a focus that comes not only with keeping track of what's going on but timing out and gaming out the rhythms of defense to know when the ball handler gets here I need to take one step am I jumping or not maybe yes maybe no if I'm not jumping, then I kind of need to be ready to recover back to the big man. Like all these things that are both mental and physical. And the linkage of that was what you really started to see in that 2021 series, which I think uh, playoff run, which is what I think is his best defensive stretch ever. Let's talk about the numbers that back that up, not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season, right? The son, uh, he, Aiton, allowed 56% shooting within six feet during that first Chris Paul season during the regular season, which was seven, that number 56% from Aiton's perspective was 7% better than the Suns' usual number. The Suns allowed a 3% worse at the rim uh, efficiency. So teams shot 3% worse at the rim with Aiton on the court versus off the court during that regular season. So whether it was the six feet stuff, whether it was directly at the rim, uh, and again, the at the rim stuff is just with him on the court, the 56% shooting within six feet, that's directly the ones that he contested. A little bit of a different number, but still paint the same picture. And then the percent shooting within six feet went down to 53% in the postseason, and that was 12% better than the Suns' usual number. So whether you go back and watch these, refresh your memory with the footage like I did, or you look at the numbers... That clearly was the best that he's been defensively. And I've said from the jump as we've started to break down what Aiton could look like under Vogel, which is what we're going to do next, Vogel as well as this new roster, 
from the beginning, I've said, I don't think the standard should be, can you be Rudy Gobert? Can you be um, Joel Embiid? You know, whatever. The standard should be, can you be DeAndre Ayton from 2021? And then what's the ceiling beyond that? What, if that was your ceiling, okay, well, your team made the finals that way. And I think this team's even better and they probably will make the finals if he plays that way. But maybe there's more. Right, Maybe there's actually another level that he can take it to, but that has to be the starting point. If he's worse than 2021, you're going to be worried about the same outcomes that you saw the next two postseasons when the Suns lost in disappointing fashion at home in round two. So, obviously a lot of it's on him. He's still a young guy. He has been playing for the Bahamas. He has been putting in work himself, you would hope, this offseason, you would expect, you would assume. Of course, we know he put in work. I don't think, I don't doubt that. Has that work come to fruition that he's just going to be a better player or more likely are the other circumstances around him going to play a big part and why? So let's dive into the roster and the system and what those things can do for DeAndre. And before I kind of give you my parting thoughts on what to expect big picture this season from him first today's show brought to you by Jace medical. Here's the deal. Jace medical is like a first aid kit for medication right? Most first aid kits, you know, the drill, you got band-aids, you got gauze, you got, uh, you know, quick pain med, maybe something like a ibuprofen. Jace Medical, their Jace case provides five, five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form, maybe jump on a call with one of their board certified physicians, depending on what you're requesting. You then can get ongoing care from their physicians as part of the package and then you get those medications right when you need them. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Again, the five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use give you the peace of mind to know that you're not just hoping to have access to medication in an emergency. They make sure you have it in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from that online evaluation to the licensed pharmacy medication delivery, as well as that ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code Locked On. Coming back, closing out the show, let's talk roster, let's talk system, let's talk best case for DeAndre Ayton. How do those things put him in a position to succeed better than he has in years, right? That's the hope. That's what Frank Vogel is betting on. That's what James Jones is betting on by hiring Frank Vogel, I think, and putting a different type of roster in place. So let's start with personnel. If we again think back to the best flashes we saw, right? One of the things that I think jumps out in terms of how Aiton was fitting around with the other four guys, not just what he was doing, is that he succeeded when he could commit to help, commit to contesting a shot or an action and know that there would be help on the backside, right? And a rebounder in place. Okay, and, and this is maybe the part where I'm going to come across as a little bit of a DeAndre Ayton apologist. I know, who would have thought? Brendan Clean apologizing and, and, and uh, standing for DeAndre Ayton here. But I think we underestimate how much Ayton being the only rim protector and the only rebounder on the entire team hurt him and how it made his numbers look worse, right? Um, I think that what I'm saying 
makes perfect sense. But to explain it slightly more than what I just did, you know, 2021 especially, a lot of the lineups that the the Suns were very healthy that year. They played their starting five a ton. And, you know, the backside help, yeah, I guess Mikhail Bridges, if it's him, there's somebody to kind of rotate and read and, and jump the passing lanes and, and clog up what happens after the driver gets under the basket. But that dump-off pass is right there if Aiton committed to trying to contest a, a jumper um, or a layup from a, a driving ball handler. And if that guy was smart enough to get the pass off to the big, as we talked about in the last segment, or if he jumped, th- tossed it up and then the offensive rebound was right there, the Suns just did not have the size, even if it was Mikhail Bridges, to really do much about that. And then anyone else was smaller. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder, those guys are all very smart. They know where to be. They know how to read the game. But were they really going to physically alter whatever was going on after that initial action that Aiton had committed to? No. Right? And the offensive rebounding numbers show that. Teams ate up the offensive glass against Phoenix forever. On this Suns team, though... Aiton will have the length to rotate and jump passing lanes behind him once he commits to protecting the rim. And so, and not just protect the rim, we'll talk about another element of that trust that he'll be able to rely on the personnel for besides protecting the rim, but just if we're keeping into the kind of structure of defending the pick and roll in a more traditional way, he can step out and try to block a shot or switch those late switch situations like I was talking about with Paul George or LeBron James on those bigger guys as they barrel toward the basket, he can accept that matchup and know that Kevin Durant is there to come in and contest the big man under the basket when they try to shoot, or that in general there will be more length and size to just make the pass harder or swarm and slap at the ball when that player does catch it. A lot better than there used to be, right? System-wise, coaching-wise. In general, as I was getting at just right there, Vogel's MO is to send more aggressive help on the backside in normal pick-and-roll coverage. In general, right? I think that the Suns were good about often... um, one of the things that was a tenet of how they played defense under Monty Williams is that the strong side help was often going to be there pretty early, right? You think about Jay Crowder guarding the corner shooter, and he was going to be there digging into the paint, swiping at the ball handler, and often barricading the basket, make life a little easier on Aiton, get in the way, put another man between the ball handler and the basket so that Aiton could plant himself as the final line of defense and keep a a hand on the big man. And that was something the Suns were going to do. And on the back end, they were, again, smart and executed well. You know, the, okay, the ball goes to, the, the weak side does collapse in a little bit. The ball goes to the weak side corner. Somebody is rotating out there. The other guy is Xing out to the other side, to the other shooter on the wing. And then, you know, you're recovering back to a stable defense. And like, we know the Suns had that um, shape and structure in place. Vogel will be even more aggressive with a lot of that, especially on the backside, which will allow Aiton to be more comfortable taking away the primary action of the pick and roll with even more force and decisiveness. 
I think that Vogel will also maximize Aiton by utilizing that mobility and more aggressive coverages more often, right? So I was talking about the confidence that he's going to have stepping out and and take trying to take away that primary pick and roll stuff. He'll also be able to be more decisive. I mean, there's no choice when you're, let's say, blitzing a pick and roll and moving your feet all the way out behind the three-point line or hedging a pick and roll where you're, level, you're at the level of the screen or a little bit above that and moving your feet at the three-point line or obviously switching where you're just fully occupying a, a matchup and controlling and, and corralling the ball and whatever that player who's obviously going to be smaller than you starts to do. Those are all things you have no choice but to be decisive with. But again, let's say maybe instead of putting it that Aiton will be more comfortable with that, Vogel, Vogel's comfort will then just deploy and, and unleash Aiton in a, in a new way. And there should be something to be said for that when you're talking about Aiton raising his own defensive floor and his own defensive ceiling. It's just going to be about executing a, a wider variety of things because he has the ability to do that. If you're to go back to the beginning of the show, we are not going to ever talk about Yusuf Nurkic being able to do all of that and that being part of the package of what he brings as a defensive player, right? But with Aiton, it is. And so part of him being better this year and, and improving even past what he was in 2021 is to be effective in those other environments and those other schemes. Um, to close out, to sum it all up, structure, to me, is much more of a key for Aiton than a lot of the other things we attribute it to. We've talked a lot about off-court leadership, relationships. That's harder to know. I would even make the case structure is part of what is important there with him too. But setting that aside, it's definitely more important than rewarding him with post touches or giving him high fives out there. I really think a lot of that stuff is overblown. I don't think Aiton was getting the ball a ton in the 2021 playoffs, like more than he's going to now, but certainly not at the level of Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, even Bam Adebayo, even Nikola Vucevic. Like he, he's still in the, DeMontis Sabonis, Nikola Jokic, right? Like he's still in the bottom half of the NBA, even in that role of how much he's really getting the ball. I have a hard time believing that that's the difference between him being engaged and not engaged. I do think it's structure. Structure meaning here is exactly what you need to execute. Here are the rules. Here are the other the ways that the other players will be acting around you that you can learn and, and rely on. And here is evidence over rep after rep after rep that it works, right? And it, it just hasn't the past two years. Some of that is on him. Some of that is related to effort and mental stuff and relationship stuff. You cannot separate or discount that. But if you're just talking about what puts him in the position to be at his absolute best in a basketball sense, structure matters more to me than any of that. And he should have a better structure now with guys like Durant, Bates, Diop, even Bradley Beal, Eric Gordon, Yuta Watanabe, who are all longer, bigger, and more athletic than a lot of what the Suns rotation was dealing with previously. A lot of DA talk. Hope you enjoyed. That'll wrap us up. We'll be back tomorrow. More preview coverage. Hoping to line up some guests as we move through the season preview coverage. Definitely check out, speaking of guests, the show with Stephen Prejone on Bradley Beal. I believe that was late last week, Thursday maybe. 
That was a good one. Loved his expertise and perspective. More to come. Hit follow, hit subscribe, get the show in your feed every day, become an everydayer. With me as we march toward training camp, I will talk to you all tomorrow.